glad to have you back for another episode of the Poitrous Ponderings podcast, where you will be asked to pause, ponder, and project. Jim is once again joined by his wife, Linda. This week, they will take us on a journey into their past and how they ended up as Reverend and Sister Jim Poitras. So without any further delay, here is our host, Jim Poitras. This is Jim Poitras with the Poitras Ponderings podcast, where we pause, we ponder, and we project. I'm sitting here smiling because I've just tried to set up the atmosphere uh, for this particular podcast, where once again, we're going to feature the queen of the house, Linda Poitras, my wife of almost 36 years now. And I'm smiling because in the setup, I'm like, okay, you've gotta be totally quiet. Don't allow your chair to squeak. Somehow we need to turn off that fridge uh, I've already turned off the air conditioner. I've turned off the fans in here. I think it probably would be best for the recording that we go in our closet, but I can't figure out how to stuff both of us in the closet in order to do the podcast. And today, the subject is very fascinating and exciting because I want to talk about a love story. And it's going to be our love story. And I think when I'm asked about how we met, I usually like for Linda to go ahead and tell the story. Because for me, being a guy, it's like this. Number one, I saw. Number two, I asked. Number three, I conquered. Got it. (laughs) Or if you want the expanded edition from my perspective of the love story, Being a teacher, I could go ahead and define that or describe it using 10 points. Number one, I saw. Number two, I liked. Number three, I talked. Number four, she listened. And you're right, that was almost 36 years ago. I won't talk about how things are today. Number five, we prayed. Number six, we fasted. Number seven, did you just hear the ice in that fridge? We're just going to push on, Linda. Okay. Number, what number was on? Number seven, I asked. Number eight, she answered. Number nine, we married. Number 10, we stayed together. This is the Poitras Ponderings Podcast. And our dear listeners, that's my story from my perspective. The first time that I remember ever hearing or sending anything to Linda, but before that, seeing her picture from the missionaries that I was working with, I think that's the first thing I ever remember about you. And then the rest is history. So, Linda, in 50 words or less, could you go ahead and 
You're not going with the 50 words? <laughs> Hundred words or less? An hour or less? <laughs> Definitely less than an hour. Knowing oh, you, dear. you're going to take this whole episode today and you're going to bring it back down to some scripture. And usually it's like 10 scriptures. But if you could encapsulate it in just one scripture, what would be your scripture? Tell us your story. Tell me our story. Tell the listeners our story. And maybe almost 36 years later, I will sit here and listen and occasionally slide something in. One, two, three. The queen at 921 of the Poitras household, Linda and Ravel Poitras. My LARP is talking just now. Well, what an introduction. So, a scripture. Yes. One. The only scripture one. would be Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Well, aren't we surprised? <laughs> Seek ye first mm -hmm. the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. It wouldn't have sounded any better if it was coming from King James himself. <laughs> I've already told you a little bit about the seeking first of his kingdom. Is this and when you try to get my phone number? No. Or my email no, address? What no, about my email address? I never tried to get your phone number, and in those days you didn't have an email. <laughs> so You're right. We were way back in the boondock olden days when there was no telephone, no email, no internet. I.e., no call that cell phone, the jungle. No. In no, the jungle, anything. the mighty jungle, <laughs> Lindis. Oh, yes. <laughs> it was the jungle, all right. No electricity, no running water. And it was a very interesting time, that's for sure. However, what does the no running water, no electricity have to do with the love story? Or are you just setting up oh, the atmosphere? Oh, it definitely atmosphere? had something to do with the okay. love story. But the the communication was basically by snail mail. I thought you wanted to say by snakes. No, that's a good thing. No, thank like God. Snakes. By snail mail in a post office. In Utuabak, we used to call it the Hole of Despair. <laughs> for our younger people listening to us, can you go ahead and describe for us what exactly is meant by snail mail? The kind where you write a letter with your hand. Like Instagram? On a piece of paper or a paper. card. And then you put an address on it with a stamp and you take it to the mailbox or the post office. And it goes on its merry way, hopefully. In those days, it could take anywhere from a month, if you were very blessed, two weeks, but uh, to arrive, and then you had to wait for the response to come back. So if you wrote a letter or a note, then you might have a response in one month, possibly two. Oh, wow. And that's snail mail. Oh. So that was the way we first began corresponding. Actually, I had already been to Nigeria for my first three-month visit. Yes, obviously, you want to always go ahead and make sure that when it comes to AIM, you're the senior AIMer, <laughs> the first AIMer to be appointed in the program. And when it comes to Jim and Linda, she was the first AIMer. She's the senior AIMer. 
she's the one that feels that she received the call before her husband did. Take it away, you know, bring us down the road with that. Well, I had been and returned back to the U.S. and continued teaching. And I had been at home for two years, and I was getting ready to return to Nigeria in October of 1983 was when I was going back. And around, I don't know, July or August of that year, I started getting mail from someone I had never met before. I remember the first time I got some mail, it was very interesting because I was like, who in the world is this? But when I saw it was from Nigeria, well, I got excited because that was like, great, that's wonderful. You mean way back in the day when I wasn't anybody? I was like a nobody, and you got the mail. <laughs> and now <laughs> we were all I'm a nobody, <laughs> and you're still sending me mail. Good. Yes. <laughs> so I received a letter, and it was a really nice letter. And, um, the salutations would usually be something like this. Dear Sister Linda, greetings in the precious and wonderful name of Jesus. I trust you are feeling well and the Lord is blessing. I'm writing from Nigeria. And then he would begin to tell me things that were happening in the Bible school that was being reopened and reestablished. And talk about church people and talk about the missionaries and where they had been in the last little while, the churches they had visited. Because in those days and pretty much throughout our missions work, we traveled from church to church, village to village, city to city. We didn't stay in one location um, during all of the years that we were missionaries. And so that was just a way of life. And it was great to hear from him all the time. He would tell me all sorts of interesting things. The first picture I saw of him was in a PIM letter that came from Nigeria. And um, mm -hmm. immediately, my family immediately began you asking were. so many questions. They would ask me all sorts of things. How tall is he? Well, Just how was family. I supposed to know? Just your family starting off. No oh, interest yes. of family. your own. Well, I was definitely interested, but I wasn't asking you those questions. So they would ask me all sorts of things that I had no answer to. Because um, even though Brother Purchase was a communicator, the missionaries were not. So I had no information from them, but I did hear from him. And his, his letters were always very informative. Um, just before time for me to travel to Nigeria in October of 83. Um, I think it was probably late September, sometime in September. I got a phone call and it was in the afternoon. I can remember, I can just almost see it happening. The, the phone that we use, of course, no cell phones. So this was one of those phones that hung on the wall that uh, it was in the kitchen of my home. And my niece and nephew, my brother's kids, my mom kept them. So they were there. They were still there. And my mother was fixing supper. And the phone rang. And it was for me. And it was this voice. And it said, this is Jim Poitras. From the Poitras Pondering Podcast. <laughs> and I am calling from Canada. He had left Nigeria and had come home to Canada. 
And uh, the reason he'd come home was he had won a scholarship to attend the Bible school in New Brunswick, a She's for Christ scholarship. And um, so he was calling to talk to me. He had just returned from Nigeria and he had decided, even though he had a bachelor's degree from the University of New Brunswick, he said, I've never been to Bible school. So I need to see what that's like because I think they're probably different and they really are. So that was a smart move. And so he would, he talked to me about what had been going on and what was happening. And he was asking me about my travel plans. Very nice conversation. And the, the hard thing was while he was trying to talk to me and I was trying to talk to him, my niece and nephew were dancing all around me, asking all sorts of questions to me that I didn't have any answer to. And my mother is adding her commentary. So it was quite an interesting little sideshow there, that first phone call. And so that was, that was very uh, exciting. I was very happy to hear from him, this guy that I had been getting mail from for a number of months. Did you think I had um, like a voice like Prince Charles? <laughs> I thought you had a voice with an accent, but so did I. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. And that bit that she tells you about the greetings, the apostolic greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to warn you, she's probably going to bring up something like uh -huh. that again because she uh -huh. usually does. Uh -huh. Now, what about you? When you call the headquarters all these years later and you say, can I speak to Reverend, please? <laughs> and they know exactly who you're referring to. Well, it's only because the person answering the phone knew me, so they knew my voice. <laughs> mm, what do you call me? And they knew which Reverend I mean. Reverend, what else do you call me? Jam. 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 Daddy. Yes. <laughs> and a whole roll of girls, ladies at our office, and you would say, Dad. <laughs> and they're all bursting out laughing. I started But did you also Reverend. know that you called me something else? You don't want to oh. admit it. Oh, yes. I called you turkey. Mm-hmm. For Just many. Linda, <laughs> for before time. we get off on the wrong road here, <laughs> and you know what I always say? In almost 36 years of marriage, we have never, ever, ever had a fight. Uh-huh. And it's so true. And uh, I always like to add, there have been... Sometimes of heated fellowship, mm -hmm. but no fight. Let's go back to the story. You, you pulled me off there. I'm blaming it on you. I started calling you Reverend because of all of the AIM workers that we worked with through the years. While in Nigeria, we worked with over 100 different AIMers. And then in Ghana, there were at least 50 more that we worked with. And they would just... It was easier to say, brother, instead of saying Brother Portress, they all called you Reverend. And Rev, yeah, those Rev. who see you, those of them, those people who see you anywhere, know that I'm they still do that. They still call you that. honorable and holy and um, <laughs> oh, just really great. No wonder I'm the host of Portress Pondering's <laughs> podcast, where we pause, ponder. And project. And I'm right just here, pondering what you're saying. Let's oh yeah. let me project. Mm -hmm. All right. That we did not break the rules of the AIM policy, which, by the way, Brother Rodenbush. Of course, now wrote, I'm the director of education and short-term missions. So. He wrote those those policies, and I read them, and you did too, very carefully, and tried to follow them, because they said that it was not 
encouraged for you to date or have any kind of relationship unless you had the approval of your leader, your superintendent, or the person in charge. Because it could be so disruptive, always courting, yes, dating, yes, it could talking be. to each other when you should be working. Uh, we didn't date. And then when the relationship goes sour, that could also be a big hindrance uh, to yeah, the teamwork. We didn't have anywhere to go and date. And everything that we did, we had a third party. The missionary's teenage daughter was right there with us the whole time. What do you so mean we didn't have any very, place to go? Where did we go? Oh, we I got, took you on my motorcycle. Oh, yes. We went on a motorcycle down the bush trail. Yamaha. Not by ourselves. That, Yamaha 80? And then graduated to Suzuki 125. <laughs> Some of yes. these young people think it's so fashionable to have a no. motorcycle. We had it. We did. We our engagement. did. Oh, we're getting a little bit too far. We engagement. Did. Okay. We had we had interesting times on the motorcycle. Well, the first time I actually met you. Oh. Wow. <laughs> you were filling in as I the youth president pro Yes. And yes, you were upset about something. We oh, won't yeah. go into oh, it on yeah. the podcast yes. here because it it doesn't affect me personally, but it could Bring down the way oh, that they may feel about some other people. Anyway, the first time I remember, you know, meeting you, seeing you, you were leading the choir at the youth, uh, the youth convention, and you were singing with the choir, "Walking by Faith." That, that's a, I'm impressed with my. That's a very that's, old song. Most people listening to this, unless you're as old as we are, might not even know what that sounds like. But that's what we were doing. The choir, the Bible school choir, was singing that song, and I was playing an accordion because there was not anything like a keyboard <laughs> or a piano. So it was an accordion, which was a very interesting thing. But anyway, yes, that was, that was a, a very interesting. It was the first youth convention or thing that they had ever had, and they knew that there was a guest speaker coming, but they did not know it was you. It was a surprise. You had finished your year of Bible school in New Brunswick, and you came to speak at that youth conference and surprised all of them. And that was that was a lot of fun, too, because they were so excited. So it was a very interesting time. But um, meanwhile, the leadership of the church and the missionary family, families, they were all already calling me Sister Jim. Um, they were saying all sorts of things uh, at church and outside of church. And so we had just met, but we immediately had to have a discussion. And so you but sat me down that, no, and we had a nice long talk. But before that, <laughs> did I ever send you like a Valentine's card? Yes, you did. To go ahead and... Prepare. Yes, you did. Prepare our first discussions and it's so much fun because that. I have it. I still have it. A few years ago, we were cleaning out some things for my sister's house where she had brought things from my mother's house and bringing them to St. Louis, and we found that Valentine's card. Mm -hmm. You wrote it to me, um, February of 1984. Roses are red, and violets are blue. No, no. You love me, no, no. and I love you no, too. No, no. Greetings in the wonderful name of Jesus. And whatever the card said at the bottom, after the closing, there was a P.S. Do not read anything into this 
Valentine's card. It's probably because I hadn't been able to fully <laughs> solicit the approval of the missionary supervisor. Uh-huh. Anyway, it was a very interesting time, and the Lord was very good to us. I think, did I already tell you the story of how we fasted and prayed? No, not yet, no? but you were going to say how you sat down with me and you told me all of the list of things yes. that you're looking for in I a husband. A list and you did and then you said something like, I feel like you qualify for all of this. Let's move on to the next step of <laughs> prayer and fasting. Oh dear. I don't remember it quite like that, but anyway, um, we did move on to the next step of prayer and fasting. This convention happened very close to this youth convention, um, which by the way was held in the evening time, by lantern light, remember? No electricity. And um, it was really close to Easter. And I remember you talking about the fact that, you know, there's a lot of people who were trying to push us towards each other and um, make this a done deal and that we needed to hear from the Lord. I was from a Pentecostal home grew up in a Pentecostal preacher's house, and you were not, and your background was quite different, and you told me some things about that that were both shocking and uh, painful, I'm sure. But anyway, you shared a bunch of that with me about your home life, and then you talked about how that we needed to seek God. Well, you couldn't have said or done anything that would have made me feel more secure and like we were doing the right thing. And so uh, the Bible school uh, was involved with a 24-hour prayer chain. And so the students would sign up for different hours of the day and night. And so we not only began working together in the Bible school, we would go to the Bible school in the morning, uh, be there by our 8 o'clock class. We had three different curriculums going. At the same time, there was a group of young ladies that were being trained in the office. So there were um, office subjects. And that was interesting because your degree had been in, in uh, business uh, teaching. And um, then we had the new converts group. And they were studying at the school. They came there and lived and, and were studying. And many of them didn't even have the Holy Ghost yet. And they were being taught things like, in my father's house and doctrine and holiness and all of those kind of things, this new converts. And then there was the ministerial track of curriculum for those who were feeling a call into the ministry and wanted to serve God that way. And so it was a full-time job. We would go at eight in the morning for classes and we would not leave the Bible school until five or more in the evening. And at the time, we did not have that many instructors. There were yourself, myself, uh, a, the leader from the country of Cameroon was there teaching, and um, one of the missionaries. So there were four instructors, and we had, at the time, we had 90 students who lived on campus and three different curriculums. So we were very busy every day, and we would fast all day. And we would go home at five in the evening. Uh, then we would eat supper. So we would eat one meal a day. And we would go back to the school together and 
pray for an hour before we would come home for the evening. So that was our schedule from Easter to Pentecost. Seven weeks we did that. And the whole thing was not just praying for the Lord to give us direction, but there were a lot of things going on in the country and, of course, in the school and with the students. So there was plenty to pray about. But definitely we were seeking the face of God and you were very determined that you weren't going to do or say anything until the Lord had spoken to us. And that's exactly what happened. In July, we traveled to the northern part of the country with a missionary family. They had two children who were going to a boarding school in the northern part of the nation. It was a 12-hour drive from where we lived to get to where the kids were. And they just happened to have a phone. Um, I don't know what you call them, a phone station? Um, anyway, a place where they had a phone that you could call outside of the country in that town where the kids were going to school. And so we went there and uh, to visit the children. And we also went to make a phone call to North America. Now, what I didn't know, I didn't know this until years later. You had written every male member of my family, my dad, my brother, my brother-in-law, and both of my nephews. One of them was only 10 years old at the time. You had written all of them asking for permission to marry me. And then when we made that trip to Joss, in the northern part of Nigeria, you called my dad and spoke to him. And I spoke to him just a little bit at the beginning and then handed the phone to you. And you talked to him and then he talked to me again. I remember him saying, okay, Linda, you be, you be careful and you keep your head screwed on straight. <laughs> that was what he told me. And so that was, that was the way that you asked if it would be possible for you to marry me. So from there, we had another month, almost like a, not quite a month before I traveled back to the U.S. to get ready for a wedding. I had been in Nigeria since October of the year before, so about 10 or 11 months I had been there, and I traveled back to the States. I had six weeks to get everything prepared. Thank God for a talented mother. She made my dress and most of the bridesmaids' dresses. We had 11 bridesmaids, by the way. And she baked both the wedding cake and the groom's cake. And she did so many other things. Bless her heart. So precious. Some really good times together with my mom and dad, too. And then you stayed in Nigeria, and you did not travel to the States until actually you went to Canada two weeks before the wedding. You were in Canada for one week and visited your family. And then you came, flew to Alabama with your brother. He was the only member of your family or friends or anybody that was able to come from up there. And he was the best man in the wedding, Henry. And I can remember because the airport was 60 miles. The airport was in the town where my sister lived. It was 60 miles from where we live. And my entire family, my brother and sister-in-law and their two kids and my mom and my dad and my grandma 
and my sister and her husband and their two kids, they were all with me. We were all at the airport. Unbelievable. <laughs> my mom was standing with her nose pressed, pressed up against the, the glass of the, of the window trying to get her first glimpse of this guy because they had never seen you before except in pictures. So, oh, I forgot to mention one other thing. Before you came to uh, Nigeria, while you were still in Canada going to Bible school, you would call my mother on the phone. Mm -hmm. And you talked to my mom, I don't know how many times, and asked her all kinds of questions. And she told you, I don't even know what all she told she you. She told me all kinds of information. <laughs> who you dated, who you were engaged to. <laughs> why you called off the engagement, just so many things. Yes. You know, I'd have to still say that your mom <laughs> was one of my greatest supporters yes, and encouragers was. throughout all the time that I was married to you. And as long as she lived and your grandmother and your dad and, uh, are we through with the wedding yet, or we're no. still at the wedding? Are you no, gonna... you just got there. Okay. You just arrived. So, so that was wrap an interesting. Up the wedding really quick. That was an interesting thing because they had never seen you before. But it was it was very interesting because I was the baby of the family. I was very, very, very well loved and spoiled. Mm -hmm. And when you arrived, my goodness, it was as though. They had a new child because my entire family fell in love with you. Well, I am younger. <laughs> that was that was the Lord. And I just have been always been so thankful for that because they did. There was just an instant rapport with my dad, my mom, my grandma. They <laughs> my mom and my grandma would say, Oh my goodness, they were always so very supportive of you. They loved Jim. Well, knowing myself day. like I know myself, <laughs> I can certainly see why they would be captivated and love me so much. Even to this day, my whole family still very much loves you and respects you. Even though I took you back to Africa? Yes, and you did. after how many weeks of marriage? Three. Three <laughs> weeks of marriage. And we're going to talk in another episode of this podcast about some of the miracles that took place in missions in our lives. But that's a story or stories for another day. I want to go ahead and bring this particular podcast episode kind of down to a close uh, so that we don't spend a lot more time with our listeners. But I'm just wondering if you had the opportunity to speak to anyone that is following Poitras Ponderings podcast or Missions Mentor, what advice would you give to someone unmarried, wanting to do the will of God? Maybe it involves missions. Maybe it doesn't. It is the whole gospel to the whole world by the whole church. So wherever we go, we should be involved in reaching souls, evangelism, missions. Uh, but what advice would you give a young person wanting to step out to do the will of God? They're not married yet. They haven't found a spouse or a potential spouse yet. And we know that the scripture says, he that findeth the wife 
findeth a good thing, and you're not allowed to add to or take away from the Word of God. If I would be permitted to add to, then I would say, he that findeth a good wife findeth a good thing. And I can definitely attest to the fact that you have been such a good wife throughout all of these years. And uh, we continue to project into the future. But what advice would you give in closing out this particular podcast episode that I have enjoyed very much? Well, for me, I did not go where God had told me to go looking for a husband. That was not in my mind at all. But God has a plan for each of us. And when you trust Him, when you put him first, when you seek him first, his plan will be accomplished in your life if you'll let it, if you will continue to seek him and put him first and trust him. And so I would just say, whatever God is asking you to do, if you can believe that his plan is the best and that he knows what's best for you and that he will take care of you, and trust him enough to do what he says, you will be amazed at what God will accomplish in your life. Last week, or in another episode, you talked about the availability factor and pursuing the will of God in your life. And this is a, a second investment of explaining uh, those things and we look forward to hearing from you again. I hope that you'll come back and visit me again uh, and spend a little bit more time with me again. I look forward to that very excitingly. And this is Jim Poitras with uh, the Poit Queen. Yes, the Queen. <laughs> I don't want you to say oh. this is Jim Poitras. Oh, the Poitras. Pondering. Podcast where we pause, we ponder, and we project. Over and out. Jesus really does have our lives planned out for us if only we will follow his lead. May you be blessed until we meet again next week. Music